I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, college football fans across the nation and around the world. This is Tim May with the Tim May Podcast. You may be getting tired of that intro, but I'm not. And, uh, and my co-pilot, my ample co-pilot, uh, Austin Ward. Austin Ward, welcome once again to the co-pilot seat of the Tim May Podcast. What? Who, who's that? Hey, man, when I found out your mom didn't like me calling you Boston, and then then I went with the awesome nickname, I figured, you know what, let's get back to what uh, God's given name for you is, which is Austin. Even though I probably should be awesome on occasion. Don't you agree? Hey, I mean, I got no problem with awesome. That's uh... – uh, yeah. That's that's a compliment nickname. I could tell you were uh, you were uh, filling in on the radio on Monday. Yes, uh, Bo Bishop for for James Laurinaitis. I could tell it was it was paining you to have to call me Austin on there. So let's it, see how this we'll see how this goes. It literally, I had to stop and think about it each time, man. Just like this now, I almost had to stop and think about it. Um, this is your podcast. You can call me whatever you want. Yeah, but, you know, I don't want to make moms mad, especially the mom of my co-pilot. I mean, golly, you talk about hostile uh, passenger. You don't want that in the back. You know what I'm saying? But hey, She was still watching every week anyway. Good point. Good point. But I digress. You know, she goes, oh, look how cute Austin looks. Um, <laughs> real quick, not much to – well, a lot of people think there's a lot to talk about from uh, this past Saturday's game, Ohio State versus Purdue. I think that was as about a about a uh, about as big a launch as you can get into for the stretch run of the season. As you can think about, and uh, I'm not going to get into very much of Pete Belliak about how to give him 31 points when you consider what the spread was. I'm talking about not the pregame spread, but the spread was 28, 21, 28, 21 points in that game uh, the other day. Yes, I even asked Ronnie Hickman about it after the game. You know, Ohio State's um, just continuing to rise safety bullet uh, bullet meister back there in the several bullets defense if there was concern yeah. about a little bit of a you know slacking off let down and you know basically you know he, he had a good point the other team's quarterback was pretty was pretty good the other day so were those receivers uh but when you win a game by 28 austin the example i keep using for i said it won 38 to 10 there would be no belly aching everybody'd be talking about what a sound victory that was 59 to 31 leaves people, you know, reasons to scratch their head. And and I'm going to say, I was going to say, say a word that starts with B, but I'm going to use the word gripe, right? You know, this is the first time that I've thought about it this way, but you know how you go through games and everyone says, oh, you're, you're going to have a big lead. You're going to be outmatched. Like, don't you think you'll leave some stuff for the offense? You're going to call a game. Like, you're not going to show a lot of tricks on offense. That's the same thing that happened for Ohio State once it got that 35 to 7 lead and was up by 28 points at halftime. You can also do that defensively. And I know that it's not fun. And I know that there were people that say that I'm making excuses for Ohio State. But if you watch the game and like, like oh, well, there's no pressure. Well, Zach Harrison just dropped into the flat to go cover a running back. And they have eight guys in coverage. They're not trying to get to the quarterback, they're trying to prevent Purdue 
from ever getting a 30-yard gain and scoring in a hurry, which they never had one of those. Yeah, they racked up a lot of yardage. It took a lot of plays. It took them a lot of time. And they weren't they only needed a couple stops and a turnover, and the game was over because that offense was scoring at will. So, you know, if I say this all the time, and I mean it. If people want to evaluate a game that way and be unhappy with the performance, that's up to them. And I'm not going to – I'll probably never change your mind. But, you know, as we came out of that game and they're like, oh, they're going to ignore the defense. Well, I mean, how critical of it could you really be? I don't – and I don't think that any of the things that happened to them in the second half, any team that they play for the rest of the year is even capable of doing it. So, like – I'm moving on from that part. And if other people don't want to, that's, that's up to them. Yeah. You know, as you go through life, uh, awesome. I almost called you awesome. Austin, as you go through life, you know, you're about two thirds of the way of the life I've already lived. Uh, you're going to find that there are people you want to party with and people you don't, you know what I mean? And the more you divorce yourself, like I've been doing over the last several years from the people I don't want to party with and the people I do, the happier I am. And, uh, you know, um, yeah, you're right. There, um, the, the critics, Ohio State has been playing zone defense a lot this year, and there's some there's some tightening that that you'd like to see done uh, maybe as the as the final weeks of this season play off, especially in the zone defense area. Kind of reminds me of of a doubles tennis team playing together for the first time. You got to learn where you okay you take that shot, you know, <laughs> so you don't run into each other. There are all these little analogies you can use, but you're seeing this team grow right in front of your eyes and it's gotten better even on defense I saw some things I really liked the other night and uh because it was night by the time that thing was night by the time the first quarter was up (laughs) it felt like a a Christmas Eve night uh temperature wise but uh and wind wise but but yeah if you're not happy with a 28 point win uh, in those kind of conditions like I said it looked like Ohio State offensively was doing was running a scrimmage in the Woody Hayes Athletic Center indoor field that's how proficient they were in a 10 to 15 mile an hour wind, wind chill about probably about 28 or 30, 30 degrees. You got receivers, you know, two of your top receivers are from uh, are from Texas. The others from California uh, catching passes from a quarterback from Rancho Cucamonga, California. And they were playing, like I said, they were just having some fun out there. Yeah. It was such a joy to watch. And then Travion Henderson did his thing and, and underrated in my opinion, just based on post-game analysis, Mayan Williams, he had the, you know, he had the real workmanlike uh, game at running back. Average more yards per carry, as it turned out, than Travion Henderson did. Uh, broke 100 yards, and and good for him, but good for the offensive line for stepping up and getting some things done in the red zone. And before you uh, uh, give me a rejoinder there, I do want to let people know that my guests this week are is the incomparable two-time Heisman Trophy winner, Arch Griffin, is Archie Griffin who's going to speak on the offense and what joy it's bringing to him watching this passing attack, especially in this running back, Travion Henderson, even Mayan Williams, as he points out. And then longtime journalist from the Michigan State area, Jack Ebling has, has had a radio show now forever. I've been on it many, many times. As a matter of fact, I think the ratings go up when I'm on there. I'm not sure. Awesome. But uh, excuse me, Austin. But uh, the bottom line is that we talk about Michigan State and, and we do bring up the fact that as good as Michigan State has been this this year under Mel Tucker, second year under Mel Tucker, you know, Ohio State scratches were Michigan State's defense itches, which is covering uh, receivers on a consistent basis. As much as you'd like to see this be a uh, Kenneth Walker the third versus Travion Henderson showdown in the shoe, yeah. you know, Ohio State, you know, 
he's going to find a lot of opportunities throwing the ball. Agreed. Well, we might, and there will be a Heisman showdown, but it'll be CJ Stroud and yeah. Walker. So, I mean, I didn't call, but I didn't call the other one a Heisman <laughs> showdown. I just called it a running back showdown. But go ahead. I, I know what you meant, but that's just, I mean, yes. If you can't defend the pass, which Michigan State has struggled at all season, uh, you're in big, big trouble against this Ohio State offense. And, I mean, I was, I hadn't looked in a few weeks at just the collective stats for those top three wide receivers now that Garrett Wilson's back and had that day. I mean, I just have never seen anything truly like it. And um, C.J. Stroud, as he continues to gain more confidence, this this could be a game where he's going up against – they're not on the field at the same time, but against a team that wants to run and that has a very, very talented running back. This one this one may determine who goes to New York City and who doesn't. Yeah. Um, you know, the following weeks would still determine who might win it. Um C.J. Stroud is now the odds-on betting favorite, which uh, tells you just how far he's come in a short time. But, uh, yeah, I mean, this is a game I think that suits up uh, suits Ohio State very well. I think Michigan State has a more diverse offense. I've said that a few times, that I think that they're a tougher test overall for Ohio State than maybe what would happen in the big house the following week. But they're a really good team, and it's going to be – I'm really excited for it. I mean, uh, the way that this sets up, again, at the end of the year with – Several big games right in a row. I mean, Ohio State's got to earn their way in to the college football playoff by beating good teams and winning when it matters most. And I, like, this is what you wait all year for. Yeah. Well, hey, you know, we're going to come back and we're going to chop it up a little bit. Uh, you know, just everything that's going on, uh, including college football playoff rankings, what they might look like this week. Because, of course, this this podcast drops on a Tuesday morning. They don't come out until Tuesday night. Uh, uh, and we'll look at a lot of other things. But first, I want to get to my – my conversations with Arch Griffin and then uh, Jack Ebling. But first with Archie Griffin, only two-time Heisman Trophy winner, you can tell by the enthusiasm in his voice <laughs> how much he really likes this <laughs> Ohio State offense. And he was on some great offenses yeah. in the mid-'70s at Ohio State. That's why he won two Heismans uh, behind a great offensive line. But, you know, he agrees with me, man. This is one of the – this is that golden era in Ohio State football, especially when it comes to – Moving the ball. You agree with that too, don't you, Austin? 100%. All right. Well, let's get, let's get to my conversation with Archie Griffin. And as promised, ladies and gentlemen, a blast from the past, a blast from the present, really. Still the only two-time Heisman Trophy winner that makes you quite uh, current, all current. Archie Griffin, welcome once again to the Tim May Podcast, my man. Well, thank you, Tim. Pleasure to be with you, my friend. You know, I was thinking about this a while ago. You and I are basically the same age, but you look a lot younger than I do, man. What's up with that? Exercise, uh, eating right, uh, genes, what genetics, what would you call it? Well, I, I don't know what it is, uh, but I know you and I both have these uh, great beards uh, just yes. alike, so uh, we're probably both looking kind of old. I think you refer to us as August. We're, we're now <laughs> August. But I'm talking, right. about, I'm talking about what's happening now in November, uh, speaking of months, and uh, – you know, just what's your impression, Arch? You've, you've gotten to watch this team, uh, Ohio State, uh, kind of build itself through the year, have that little setback against Oregon but come back. But just what's your impression of this Ohio State football team now as it enters what I call the Michigan part of the stretch run? <laughs> you know, Tim, I, I tell you what, I am uh, very proud of the way that the uh, Buckeyes have performed, uh, certainly since uh, the Oregon football game. I, I think uh, we've gotten better uh, every week. A couple weeks there, it didn't look like we had gotten much better on offense. Uh, uh, but this week, we came out and, and really uh, took over that football game. And our offense 
was just on fire. I mean, I was really, really impressed. Now, my hope, though, is that we can put offense and defense together uh, at the same time, because yeah. if that happens, whew, I, you know, it, it will be hard for anybody to beat us. That's Ryan Day's great. Uh, I wouldn't call it hope. That's his great desire. You know, his great uh, mission yeah. is to make that happen and stuff. And it's funny because, you know, you have seen this defense, the way it floundered a few times against Oregon now, turn into like a, a little bit of a big, big play defense and a little bit of a stoppage right. defense. But, you know, this arch, you, you probably don't remember this back when you were playing because hardly anybody ever threw the ball. But now when you, you know, with teams <laughs> lining up and throwing the ball 40 or 50 times at you, teams are just willing to take their chances, you know, against, against these big time teams like Ohio State, Alabama, you know, Georgia. I mean, because – the, the passing game sort of equalizes things a little bit in their, in their mind. You could see that on Saturday, right? Oh, you really can. I mean, uh, and, and I tell you what, I was very uh, impressed with uh, uh, their quarterback. I mean, I thought yeah. uh, uh, he was outstanding. I mean, we didn't get a sack. Uh, at least I don't remember us getting a sack no. on him at all. He got uh, released the ball real quick, uh, got it to the receivers, and, and, and they were running routes that uh, – Seemed like at times that had us uh, a little confused. We were bumping into each other a few times. And, and so they had a, a good scheme uh, going on. Uh, but thank goodness uh, our defense, uh, they bent, but they didn't break. And, and uh, they uh, played extremely uh, tough uh, defense. And our offense just really uh, were outstanding. I mean, just unbelievable. I want to get your take on this, Arch, is that uh, Ohio State just won a Big Ten game against the number 19 team in the country. And they won it by 28 points. And they scored 59 themselves. You know, and there are people out there bellyaching about the defense. <laughs> and you understand, but, you know, I think, I think the greatest thing about you playing in the mid-70s, mid-1970s, you know, previous century, <laughs> uh, there wasn't Twitter, you know. There was, like, sports writers That's like right. guys like That's me exactly. or something. But, and there was TV. But uh, you didn't face this constant barrage of people who were unsatisfied, did you? Yeah. Now, no, you really didn't. Uh, I mean, you would hear about it. There were still radio talk shows, and if you would listen to them, you'd hear uh, yeah. some of the uh, talk. But, uh, but you didn't let it bother bother you. And and I'm sure that uh, the young men on this team uh, not letting any of that kind of talk uh, bother them. The main thing, uh, we've won a lot of football games, and uh, we just need to keep winning football games. And if we keep winning football games, then we'll be where we want to be. All right. This brings me to one of the main reasons I got you on today. Do you remember 1974, the game at Michigan State? Uh, <laughs> Tim, I know, I know you. Are you do. serious? <laughs> yeah, exactly. How, how uh, could I not remember 1974? That that uh, that was the game that we thought we won. Went in the locker room, and the yeah. commissioner comes into the locker room and tells us we lost a football game. And Coach A uh, went berserk. So I mean, <laughs> how could yeah. you forget that game? Yeah, it. Yeah. Uh, it was uh, very, very disappointing, uh, and uh, it, 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 it hurt us uh, quite a bit because if I remember correctly, I think we were rated number one uh, in the country at that time when yeah. we lost that game. You know, you, I've had you on here a couple of times before. Was that the best team you were on at Ohio State, or was it – You know, where would you rate those teams you were on there uh, in the 70s? Well, that, that certainly – was one of them, but but I tell you that's one of them. Team, yeah, I like what you said that. Go ahead. <laughs> that that seventy three team we had yeah. uh, was uh, unbelievable. When you had uh, uh, John Hicks uh, leading the line and Randy Gratishar leading that defense, uh, 
Yeah. Uh, that team was uh, pretty unbelievable. The only thing that kept us from winning that national championship that year was that 10-10 tie that we had with that team up north. Yeah. And uh, that's when we went out and, and really uh, beat uh, Southern Cal in the Rose Bowl, beat them pretty doggone good. Yeah. And it kind of a revenge game for us because they had beaten us the year before in the Rose Bowl pretty good. So, yeah, that 73 team was, uh, was, was pretty awesome. And if you look at the number of points that were scored on that team, uh, you would be amazed because I think they probably gave up maybe on the whole year uh, regular season – probably about 70 points in the whole yeah. season. So, I mean, that was uh, just an incredible defense. And our offense wasn't too bad either. No. I mean, y'all steamrolled people. <laughs> that's that's the best way of putting it. You steamrolled people. And like you said, like you were talking about, you know, Ryan Day's hoping to find that that consummate balance offense and defense now uh, and really make a run at things. Uh, y'all had it going on from the get-go that year. and But I want to get, you know, to 74 uh, – Levi Jackson has that ridiculous run up the sideline, you know, against you guys. 88 yards. Yeah. 88 yards. You don't yeah. see that done on Ohio State very often. <laughs> no. And it's funny, you know, just, you know, it, that's what I'm saying. That, this, this is what makes college football so cool. I know the other, the other levels of football have those kind of plays, but just when you think you got it figured out, something happens, you know, just like ask Alabama at Texas A&M, you know what I mean? And, uh, yeah, you know, absolutely. Some, across the country, you saw what happened to Oklahoma this past weekend, Baylor. Baylor beats them soundly, really, you know. And, yeah, uh, absolutely. Yeah. I want to ask you this before we get into the details a little bit. Uh, why is that about college football, Arch? Is it because it is 18, 19, 20, 21-year-olds, 22-year-olds? <laughs> That's exactly what it is. So you got young guys uh, who, who are outstanding uh, athletes and, and, you know, they, they play to the best of their ability, and you don't know what you're going to get on any given day. Yeah. And uh, you hope that you, you get the, their very, very best, but – their opponents' very, very best might be just as good or better than your very, very best. So I mean, it's it's a it's it's a great game. That's why I love it. I mean, you just don't know what yeah. you're going to get. You really don't. I agree, a hundred hundred and fifty five percent. You know, those previous two games before Ohio State thumped Purdue. You know, against Penn State and uh, Nebraska, Ohio State had to kick four field goals in each of those games. You know, and uh, right, we were having all kind of problems in the red zone. I mean, just uh, just unbelievable. Then this game, <laughs> yeah. And there, it was electrifying. I mean, just unbelievable. Yeah, and there's no figuring that because they're playing against a team that was number 16 in the country in the red zone defense, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know? So, yeah. yeah, like I said, fans are hard to please, man. I mean, you know, you got to look, you gotta look, at the, you gotta look those small victories across here. Hey, but, uh, before we move on from the game, one day, Garrett Wilson, number five. Ohio oh, State, wow. I mean, he had a day, he had a day, right? I mean, uh, uh, as you watch that game, is just give me your just give me your sense of what he's all about. And number two, how impressed are you with that receiver core in general? Well, first of all, let me just talk about the receiver core. I mean, uh, we are so fortunate to have uh, uh, that kind of uh, receiving core with all those athletes, with all the ability uh, that they have. I mean, just uh, unbelievable. And then you think uh, James Williams went to Alabama, yeah. uh, who was the part of that core last year. And he's the best receiver on their team. I mean, can you imagine uh, what we had at Ohio State? I mean, yeah. what we have right now is truly outstanding, but it was even better at times with, with, with certainly him. Yeah. I mean, it was uh, incredible, and it is incredible right now, and, and I'm enjoying every bit of it because when these guys catch the football, uh, they make things happen. Yeah. And uh, that's what you want in your receivers. That's what you want in your running backs when they get the ball in their hand to make things happen. 
And that really uh, makes the uh, whole team look good, makes your offensive line look good, makes your quarterback look good, and the whole works. And, and uh, we've got that at Ohio State. Very fortunate. Isn't it, isn't it funny, though, how uh, the fickle finger of fate taps a finger, you know, puts her, puts her finger on this guy one week and that guy the next, you know. Jackson Smith and Jig Ball, he did was set a school record with 15 catches, <laughs> 240 yeah. oh. yards. That was short, yeah. But two or forty yeah. yards a week before at Nebraska, and then here Garrett Wilson, five touchdowns. I mean, five all touchdowns. kinds of different ways. It it it's kind of cool, isn't it? It it, it really is because the thing is, you don't know who's going to do what. I mean, right. You know somebody's going to do something, but you don't know who's going to do what. And you look forward to seeing that happen. I mean, some of the moves that I saw made yesterday after catching the football uh, by by our, our receivers. I yeah. mean, were. Fantastic, man. I yeah. mean, uh, it, 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 it's worth the price of admission just to watch these guys catch the ball and, and, and make the moves uh, that they make and how they make people miss and, and the whole works. Uh, these guys do a tremendous, tremendous job. Yeah. We're and then you got, yeah. And you got Chris Olave sitting there. He's now one catch, one touchdown catch away <laughs> from matching <laughs> David Boston's <laughs> career record. You know what I mean? I mean, yeah. what a trio. Yeah. I mean, it's uh, – yeah. Well, they, well what, you're telling, what you're telling people right now – is why we throw so much. I mean, you you you've got all those riches out there uh, on your receiving core, and, and, and you want to use them. You yeah. want to use them. So so you know, people complain about uh, us not running the ball uh, enough. But I mean, look what we've got out there receiving. I mean, so you got to use that. Yeah. But I know one. I do understand, and being a running back, that 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 that, that you want to run that football. But if we can keep that thing uh, balanced, it would be fantastic. But I understand why Ryan Day throws the ball the way that he throws the ball because uh, we've got so much out there that we need to use uh, that talent that we have and, 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 and let them continue uh, to flourish and, 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 and make scores for us. They're terrific. Yeah. So, and I don't, I don't want to get their head big because we've got two big games coming oh, yeah. up, but I want to make sure that they, they continue to do what they're doing. You know what's funny, though? Those three guys especially, they're about as low-key, cool of dudes, team-oriented <laughs> dudes, I think I've ever run yeah. into at wide receiver. You know, I thought the three yeah, amigos, yeah. you know, with Paris Campbell yeah. and Johnny Dixon and those guys, Terry McLaurin, those were pretty cool dudes. Uh, yeah. But these guys are just – they're just different. I mean, it's – to get a collection of players like that and then them be as team-oriented-ish – for one or another term, they they're petting each other on the back for making plays. You know what I mean? They're not over there pouting. That's that's hard right. to find in quote skill guys, isn't it, Arch? That, that, that's exactly right. And and again, I mean, I, I keep saying we're fortunate, but we are yeah. uh, to have guys like that who are willing to do what they can for the team. Yeah. And the great thing about it is what they do for the team is phenomenal. Yeah. Yeah. What what what's the biggest What's the biggest improvements you've seen C.J. Stroud, first-year starting quarterback, redshirt freshman, uh, didn't play it basically at all except a couple of plays last year. Of course, one of those was a nice long run for a touchdown against Michigan State that COVID <laughs> year, but he never threw a pass last year. But what's the best? Yeah. What's the biggest improvement you've seen from him? And it doesn't have to necessarily be throwing the ball that you want to say, yeah. but uh, what have you seen grow in him the last many weeks? Well, I, I think the, the demeanor. I mean, uh, the way that he sits back there, he – really looks confident to me. I mean, he, he looks like, hey, I know I can get this ball where I want to put it. And, and, and he just looks like that uh, he's going to do it. He's got that uh, 
confident demeanor that uh, makes you feel like uh, he's going to get it done. And, and I like that in him. I really do. Yeah. You know, I texted you after uh, Trevion Henderson uh, beat your former freshman rush single game rushing mm-hmm. record of 239 yards your freshman year against uh, North Carolina, I think it was. Uh, yep. uh-huh. and, you know, you had a great tweet back about how you think this kid's going to be fantastic, you know, and uh, I relayed that to him. But, uh, you know, think about think back to that, Arch. I know you've thought about it a million times. That was the first year in a long while that freshmen were eligible when you played that year in 72. Right. And, uh, right. and, the, and as cool as it was, you still take a beating, don't you? You're playing with grown men. I mean, you know what I'm talking about. Uh, and just give me – give people an idea of what you went through, you know, to show up every week to play uh, that year, you know, uh, in that physical game, et cetera. And I want you to kind of relate to what maybe Travion's going through right now as we speak. Well, you're right. You, you're playing with uh, grown men. I mean, I mean, these, these guys uh, hit – uh, and probably now they probably even hit harder. I mean, I wouldn't have thought that back then, but yeah. even hit harder than they hit even then because of the training uh, things that they go through now with the weights and all those kind of things. Uh, but, uh, you know, when you carry the ball and you get hit, uh, it uh, really, really uh, has an impact on you the next day. One of the things that Woody used to always do to me, for me actually, was uh, – our first day of practice the next week, he would set me out. He would not uh, let me do a whole lot of running because he wanted me to uh, get my body uh, together. Yep. And, and, and I'll never forget that uh, because I was surprised that he would tell me to sit out of practice uh, on, 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 on Tuesday, uh, on Monday, actually. He would tell me to sit out of practice on, on Monday uh, or if I would practice, all he wanted me to do is just catch the ball just catch the ball. Don't don't run, yeah. uh, but just catch the ball because he didn't want to uh, uh, overwork me or, or 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 didn't want me to have any kind of pain from the previous game. But the, he would always do that. He would he would take care of you uh, that way. He always believed in what he called fresh legs. Um, yeah. He always felt that if we had fresh legs, that uh, we would be able to compete uh, at our highest level. And uh, so that's what he tried to do. He tried to, to say it's not only me, but uh, other players, too, that uh, uh, did a lot of running or took a lot of hits. Uh, he, he, he set us out and, and, and just let us do mental things, um, practice mentally and, and, yeah. and, and not do anything real physical because he wanted us to freshen up our bodies. And that's, you know, that's important. Uh, a guy like Travion, I'm telling you. Uh, you know, he's going to take hits. I mean, his style of running, I mean, he, he makes people miss, but he also delivers the blow. And uh, when you deliver the blow, you, you're going to get some of it too. So uh, it can take its toll. Uh, but I love the way uh, that young man runs. And I got to tell you, Tim, I'm looking forward to, to this weekend to be able to see him uh, and, and, and Kenneth Walker uh, third on the same field together. I, I tell you, uh, it's going to be exciting. It really is. I mean, I know Travion probably won't get the touches that, that Kenneth Walker uh, III is going to get, but uh, uh, when he touches it, uh, I think uh, he's going to make the most out of it. That's what I was going to – I was going was to get to that with you in, a, in just a second because that's that's his highlight uh, matchup as there is going in this game, you know. But uh, Tim, Tim, those are two of the best, yeah. if not the best, two running backs in the country yeah. from what I've seen, Yeah, I'm, I'm, in my opinion. So, I mean, it, it, it's really uh, – an exciting matchup. Yeah. 
and it's it's cool how things come around, right? I mean, uh, you think you're getting away from even having running backs, you know, from the standpoint <laughs> of, you know, I mean, you know, Ohio State, I mean, they've got a fullback. They just, they just don't call him that, you know, anymore. Mitch right. Ross, you know, that tight end, number 34. But, uh, you know, they just can't bring themselves to call a guy a fullback anymore. But, <laughs> but sometimes you need that guy, and sometimes you need, you that, need that guy that got to dot the eye and run at people. And uh, that's what Travion does. I want to ask you this, though, Arch. You're sitting there, and you watch him like uh, the other day against uh, Purdue knock off that big long run after that fumble recovery. You know, I think it was 53 right. yards or 57 yards. Right. Wait, do you live vicariously through a back sometimes when you see a moment like that where you know that all he saw was daylight and he exploded through it? I mean, it, you're one of the few people in the world that can tell people what that feeling is, what that feeling oh, is. Oh, it's, it's, it's a wonderful feeling. I mean, again, I I, I just enjoy watching Trivia. And not, and not only Trivia, but we, we've got a room full of great backs. And when you look at Mayan Williams uh, and, and, and the way he came in there yesterday and did the job that, that he did, I mean, man, I mean, it, 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 it's really a good thing to have. Uh, but uh, Travion, I mean, when you see him run, you see the moves that he makes, the way that he makes people miss, uh, the way that he hits the hole, uh, the way that he can run over you. I mean, yeah. he's got the full – gear i mean whatever you need he's got it yeah he's got it and uh i i just look forward to seeing him him play and especially uh this week when he's on the same field with a guy who's being considered uh a, a very very uh high heisman trophy uh candidate uh, yeah. it's 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 going to be interesting to watch that because in, in my opinion i think Travion as well is a, a heisman trophy uh, candidate uh, he might not have the number of carries this year to, to, to get it, but uh, uh, his style of running, uh, the way that uh, he does his job, uh, you know, he's got that ability. He's yeah. got that ability. And this young man, uh, Kenneth Walker, I'll tell you, uh, to, to watch him play in that Michigan game, I mean, he was unbelievable. And those two guys on the field together this weekend, it's a, uh, you can't miss it. You you, yeah. you got to see it. Yeah, I was gonna say. You know, Eddie George in 1995 had his Heisman moment against it in that Illinois game when they came from behind. But then you know he broke he broke you know set the uh, school single game record that Trey Sermon finally broke uh, last year in the Big Ten championship game. But uh, you know there are there are games that set you apart, aren't there? And Kenneth Walker the third clearly had that a couple of weeks ago against Michigan. Oh, no question. I mean, I mean, he really had what they call that 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 Heisman moment. Yeah. Uh, now, whether he gets it or not, I mean, that's another story because it looks like uh, the quarterbacks are are, are the ones uh, leading most people's. Uh, uh, they're the ones leading in most people's opinion. But yeah. uh, you know, being a running back, I do look at running backs very closely, and uh, certainly uh, he's uh, got the ability uh, to win a Heisman Trophy, and I would say the same about uh, Travion. You and I are both Heisman voters. Uh, you earned your way. I just kind of uh, <laughs> inherited mine. But uh, by the way, I know I've asked you this before. I'm going to ask you again on the record just to refresh it. Do you get two Heisman votes or just one? <laughs> <laughs> hey, 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 Tim, you know I only get one. But you know what? The more these Ohio State uh, uh, athletes are jumping up in, in the pool, I wish I had two. 
exactly. Because they cancel each other out, right? I mean, that's, that's what right. happened last year, you know, a couple of years yeah. ago with Chase Young and stuff. But uh, but I wanted to ask you this, Arch. Uh, in your opinion, uh, uh, what makes what makes a guy Heisman worthy? In your opinion, I mean, is obviously you got to have the performances, or you don't even get considered, right? Did right. you? You know, I'm not, you know, because you, you've never given up your vote, you know, like who yeah. you vote for, et cetera. But uh, right. I want to ask you, in the final analysis, what swings it for you? Uh, it, it's how the person performs along with his team, how he helps his team, how, how valuable he is to the team. And uh, he's got to be a difference maker. I mean, is, is he a difference maker? Is, is he somebody that uh, is, is going to win a game for you? Or you, his team can count on him to uh, uh, go that extra mile to get it done. Uh, it's got to be a, a difference maker, and, yeah. and, and that's what's important to me. He's a difference maker, and he's a great teammate to his uh, team members. As you as you think back to Kemp Walker the third against, uh, as you call him, the team up north. I can call him Michigan, but you know I know you're part and parcel <laughs> uh, to where you are. Uh, where you came from, you know how your bread is buttered, so to speak. Yeah. yeah. Uh, what what's what sets Kenneth Walker the third apart? You know what makes him different from what you've seen, just in brief terms. Well, kind of the same things that uh, I said Trevion. about Travion. I mean, I've I've I've, I've watched uh, Kenneth Walker, uh, you know, make people miss. I've watched him run past people. I watched him run uh, over people, uh, and 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 he's taken it the distance. Yeah, and 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 it's kind of the same things that I said about uh, Travion. That's why I'm so interested in seeing them on the field together and and, and watching how they perform uh, on opposite teams. I mean, it's 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 really going to be interesting. I'm looking forward to that matchup. I really am. Yeah, you know, you've been around for a while now, and uh, including that uh, 74 game against Michigan State. Michigan State has upset the Ohio State apple cart. Oh my gosh. I mean, that's the only team I, Tim. That's the only team I lost to uh, in the Big Ten yeah. when I played at Ohio State, yeah. Michigan State. What, what only is, team. Why? What is it about some teams that give other teams bugaboos, man? I mean, what, what you know? Not every year, but every now and then, <laughs> like 2015, 2013, the Big Ten championship game. Right, you know? right, right. I mean, 2015 here when that storm came through and suddenly. Urban Meyer and the offense, they lost their way. Ezekiel Elliott's sitting there and he doesn't get enough care. You know what I'm saying? You know, talking about what, what is it about these other, about certain teams, Arch? How would you explain it to people? Well, it, 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 you can't explain it because it's just something about them. They, they're in your crawl and uh, you got to make sure that they don't uh, ruin uh, your season for you. But uh, you've got to be aware that they're talented and they're capable. Yeah. of ruining your season for you. So you can't let it happen, basically is what I would say. You just can't let it happen uh, because they're good enough to do it. I mean, they're a top-10 team. Uh, you know, they're, they're as good as anybody you're going to play. Yeah. So you got to make sure that on that day that you are the best that you can be to make sure that that doesn't happen. It's going to be a good game. There's no oh, question yeah. about it. Oh, yeah. I guarantee it's going to be a good game. And Mel Tucker, man, he's one of those up-and-coming dudes. Yep. Man. I've, <laughs> I've known him for yeah. a long time. You, you remember when he was on uh, oh, yeah. Jim Chesler's staff? And I think he's yeah. very talented, dude. I, I think most people have to agree with that now, right? <laughs> oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, he, he's pulled this team together. Uh, it's been unbelievable. I mean, they've had a great run. I mean, they, they lost that uh, game uh, to – to uh, Purdue, but uh, believe me, 
they will be ready for the Buckeyes. No question about it. Last and couple, yeah. Come to think about it, any team we play going to be ready for us. That's because exactly. We, they know they know that we yeah. we can make their season. It is it is weird when you play for a program like an Ohio State or an Alabama, maybe Georgia now. You know, Georgia often has been damn good, but. When you, you're walking in there and you've got this target on your back that really raises other people's games oftentimes, right? I mean, you understand. I mean, it's kind of like being Mike Tyson when he was a champion. Finally, Buster Douglas knocked <laughs> him out. But yeah, but it took yeah. a well, while you, you, for somebody to do it. But you do yeah. feel like you're getting the best punch from these guys, right? Oh, you, you, you're you going to get their best shot, uh, absolutely. And, 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 and the thing is that you got to make sure that uh, uh, you – you keep them quiet quick or do something quick uh, yeah. to make sure that they don't get that confidence that they can knock you off. Uh, but this is a team that's uh, talented enough to, to do that. Yeah. So we've got to be aware of that and know that when we go out on the field, we got to give them our best shot so that they don't uh, get up on us. Uh, but it's going to be a good game. I'm looking forward to it, Tim. I'm I know you are. To I, it. I can tell, man, you probably already camped out right outside I'm the stadium. <laughs> Absolutely. Brother right, said, you're sweet. No, I'm just joking. Last question. Last question. Uh, uh, when we talked about running backs a while ago, I've always wanted to ask you this. I never got around to it. Uh, 99 times out of a – well, 80 times out of 100, you're going to get tackled. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You're going to get hit oh, yeah. pretty hard. What what separates guys like you, Travion, Kenneth Walker the third, Keith Byers, you know, Eddie George – you know, right on down the line uh, of great backs that have been in Ohio State, Zeke Elliott, what separates you guys that makes you want to cut up into the line one play and get three yards, but you just think, man, that next time the daylight's going to take me 10 more or 100 more. <laughs> well, yeah. what, what separate? What, what, what's that little thing y'all got wrong in your head that most people would say, that's crazy? <laughs> <laughs> well, I, don't, I, don't, I don't think what we've got wrong in our head. It, it, it's confidence. It's uh, uh, confidence not only in your own ability, but confidence in the ability of the people that you're playing with, uh, knowing that they're working their tails off to, to open up a hole for you uh, and knowing that, you know, you've got to be accountable to them by getting to that hole and, and making sure that you get the most yardage out of it. Uh, it it's a team thing for me. Yeah. I mean, everybody accountable to do a job and everybody uh, expecting each of those teammates to do what they're supposed to do. And I counted on my uh, linemen at Ohio State to, to, to open those holes for me. And they counted on me uh, to get through those holes. And when you do both of those things, you have great results. And uh, that's uh, what made it happen uh, for us. We were accountable to each other. Yeah, and it's always cool to cozy up behind a guy like Dewan Jones or something, right? <laughs> yep, that's right. Yeah. The total boring machine for you. Hey, Arch. Man, it's always a pleasure. You know that, my man. And I'm gonna have well, you. Thank on, you, Tim. I'm gonna have you on briefly Heisman Week just to catch up with you and kind of what you're thinking okay. and stuff. Because okay. there's a chance. Well, you to know I'm not gonna up. tell you. I, you know I'm not gonna tell you who I'm. No, I know that, but I just, you know, <laughs> refresh. You know what I mean? Because you know, you can sit there and bask in glory because you know you're at least two years away from anybody, from anybody taking your crown as the only two-time Heisman Trophy winner. Hey, Arch, always a pleasure to have you on my on my podcast, my man. Well, thanks, Tim. Appreciate you having me on. Yeah, Austin, it's always great to have a Heisman Trophy winner drop by your podcast, but then having a two-time Heisman Trophy winner <laughs> drop by your podcast, you have a quite exclusive get. You agree with me? That was an exclusive get by me. 
There's only one of them. So <laughs> that's about as exclusive as a club can get. Isn't it cool, though, to hear a guy yeah. who had everything but a national championship, and that guy one year got snatched away by Michigan State, Levi Jackson down the sideline in Ohio State, not getting credit for a touchdown. He thought he scored in the, in the final seconds uh, in 1974 up in East Lansing. You know, these Michigan State games are no joke for Ohio State fans and for Ohio State football players. But isn't it cool to hear the enthusiasm in Archie Griffin's voice about this team, about this offense especially? Yeah, I mean, when Archie talks, I mean, it, it'll always carry weight and gravity. I mean, and he's not, he's not evaluating it blindly. He pays attention to the national stage because he's, yeah. you know, he's such an important figure to that Heisman Trophy Trust. And, you know, he takes his ballot seriously and, uh, you know, is welcoming to people from all across the country. So, I mean, obviously he's important in Columbus and uh, pretty in tune with what's going on with these Buckeyes. But if he says – you know, this is a, a rare treat to watch a team like this. Yeah. You know what that means. Yeah. Too bad he doesn't have two votes in the Heisman, which he should. He should, right? Yeah. yeah. I don't get that. I even, you know, you heard me ask him about it again, you know, just to clarify, you don't have two votes, right? You know, and uh, no, he doesn't. But, uh, you know, uh, I think this next guy I've got, I think he has a vote in the Heisman Trophy race, uh, Jack Ebling. Longtime media dude from uh, from the uh, Michigan State side of things, if, if that's what you want to call it, from Lansing, East Lansing, as I call it, the Megaplex up there. But, uh, you know, he joins me. And, like, you, Austin, you and I were talking about a while ago, you know, he, he makes no bones about it. as good as this Michigan State team has been this year. Uh, you know, they do – they are wanting in that same area where Ohio State can attack like no other team in major college football this year, the passing attack. Uh, they're wanting back there on the defensive side of things. And uh, that's where he sees this game this coming weekend really kind of swing. But you know what? Let's hear from him first, and you and I will come back, chop that up a little bit, and then move on to some other gourmet stuff. <laughs> and ladies and gentlemen, I'd like to welcome back Command Performers, Command Encore, uh, Jack Ebling. Jack, welcome back to the Tim May Podcast. Hey, this is fun. Uh, you know, anytime I can be part of Letterman Row, I'm all in. Give people your background. Give people the reason why I've got you on this podcast. Tell them, tell them who your uh, your highly rated uh, radio show is with up in up in the Lansing East Lansing Metroplex, et cetera, and yeah. why I consider you uh, one of the experts out there. Well, I've been doing this forever, uh, back at least one century, might be longer than that. Uh, just saw my fifty third straight Michigan Michigan State game, so that tells you how old I am. But we have a show here. Uh, the Drive with Jack afternoons on the Spotlight Radio Network and uh, podcasts all over the place, and a Sunday night television show on Fox Forty Seven, uh, Press Pass, and I'm uh, working on book number nine, Tim. Book number nine. What's it gonna be? Izzo? <laughs> uh, no, no, not yet. Izzo? Not yet. Day new he's, he's, he's waiting. It's tentatively titled "If Magic Went to Michigan." And it's all sorts of hypotheticals in sports that, uh, hey, what would have happened? Gone down a different road. Hey, one of my one of my great moments, memories as a sports writer was in Jenison Fieldhouse when Magic Johnson came walking back onto the court back in, what was that, against Ohio State in 1979 or 80. Yeah, That was as loud. That was as loud yeah. a venue as I've ever been in. And of course, that yeah. game, that game went ended up going to overtime, right? And, yeah. and Michigan That's State right. won. Am I right about that? That's right. That's but right. uh, wow, and that was a hell of a high state team back then too. But 
But that's yeah. not what we're talking about today. No, no, we don't talk about that. Yeah, Later, exactly. we'll talk about that. We'll talk about other demons that haunt Ohio State athletics in, in, in the football realm. And, uh, you know, here we are. We're looking at an, another Ohio State-Michigan State game with major ramifications. Yeah. And let's face it, you know, Ohio State's had a hell of a lot more trouble with uh, Michigan State spoiling its party of late than it has with the team up north, as Ohio State calls it, otherwise known as the Michigan Wolverines. But uh, yeah. And here we sit again. I mean, uh, Michigan State, both these teams have been beaten once. Uh, they're still in the running. You know, Ohio State probably much more so than Michigan State for that college football playoff berth. But if Michigan State wins out, which would include uh, if it beats Ohio State and Ohio State beats Michigan, uh, you know, right on down the line, the dominoes could fall where Michigan State could be looking at a Big Ten championship uh, yeah. uh, shot and a, a shot at the college football playoff. But major ramifications this coming Saturday, right? Absolutely. You know, you talk about the Michigan State, Ohio State series, and uh, we like to have Archie Griffin on our show every year before that game. And uh, Arch likes to tell the story about uh, him never losing to Michigan. Yeah. It's such a hard time against Michigan State and Spartans beating Woody three times in four years there. But uh, if you look at this series, Tim, five times. Uh, in the last 50 years, Michigan State has cost the Buckeyes a national title, a great shot at a national title, or a Big Ten championship, and sometimes both. Yes. I mean, it's no secret now. I mean, in my opinion, this is the rivalry. You know, I mean, Wisconsin's never been able to make Ohio State a rivalry, even though it's played it for uh, Big Ten championships. Yeah. Yeah. This is this is as close as thing Ohio State has to a true rivalry right now. You know, I mean, over the last many years in the Big Ten, I mean, Ohio State is trying to get to a fifth straight Big Ten championship in yeah. the "quote unquote" championship game era. That's right. crazy when you think right. about it, isn't it, Jack. It is. And uh, one of the other sidelines to this series, Tim, is that Michigan State's coaches have been at Ohio State and. Yeah. Mark Antonio, Mel Tucker, part of that 2002 national championship team. And, you know, D'Antonio, uh, uh, you could say whatever you wanted about Michigan and he'd laugh and chime in. But if you insulted the Buckeyes, uh, he took umbrage at that. Yeah. And I think Mel also has uh, some very positive feelings about his days in Columbus. Uh, I don't know the people in Columbus will be as positive about him after the game Saturday, but uh, I think the Buckeyes are in great position. Wait a minute, you're predicting an upset, Michigan State over Ohio State? We haven't gotten to that point of the program yet. Uh, no, if I did, I would be in Vegas because Michigan State's an 18-point underdog. I was going to say, man, uh, you got you to read those odds again. But, you know, stranger things have happened. We've yeah. seen it happen in this game, That's 2015, right. one of the great fall afternoons ever. And uh, 10 minutes, 15 minutes before kickoff, one of the great storms ever rose through Ohio Stadium. Yeah. Urban Meyer forgot what his offense was all about. And uh, next thing you know, a third team, formerly third team quarterback, that sounds like Ohio State when you think about it, former third team <laughs> quarterback from Michigan State leads them. I'm not sure he led them to victory, but he didn't lead them to defeat. Let's put it right. right away. That's it's right. one of the great upsets, you know, in Big Ten history, much less Ohio State, Michigan State history. Agreed. Yeah, absolutely. The offensive line that day had three pros and then they were terrific. Jack Conklin yeah. was incredible. Yes. And uh, the defense and uh, some of Urban's play calling, I think, yes. uh, shut uh, Zeke down and uh, Michigan State escaped with a field goal. Uh, Michael Geiger. And uh, next thing you know, hey, they're on the way to the playoff. Yeah. 
crazy. I mean, and uh, in my opinion, that was that was a better Ohio State team than the year before because all most of the big time studs yeah. from the year before had gotten a year older. Joey Bosa, uh, you know, right on down the line. I mean, that was a hell of a team, and it's, it's too bad things turned out that way for the Ohio State folks, but. Like you said, it's another one of those uh, rocks in the in the pond. It's funny you brought up Arch Griffin because just like you, I've got him on this podcast this week also. You know, you and, ah. he are, you and he are dueling. I wouldn't call y'all dueling. It's more like telling tall tales. And, of course, I immediately uh, had him on and brought up 74, Levi Jackson, yeah. um, uh, Wayne Duke, you know, right on down yeah. the line. We yeah. all remember that game uh, up at Michigan State. But uh, – you know, that was the last great hurrah for Denny Stoltz, wasn't it, if I remember correctly? It was. It, it was. Uh, well, he had a big win over Notre Dame the yeah. next year. But Yeah, that's true. Uh, you know, actually, two years before that 74 game, in Duffy's last year, uh, he beat Woody 19-12, to and they had a guy who no one knew. He wasn't on the roster. Uh, no one had any idea who he was. Came off the soccer field and kicked four field goals, a guy named Dirk Kreit. And then after the game, Tim, he's sitting in the locker room smoking a cigarette. Yeah. And, uh, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Of course he is. Now go ahead. Yeah, of course he is. And uh, one of the writers said to Duffy, hey, Duff, do you know what uh, your kicker's over there now just smoking a cigarette? Duff says, we have a new rule here, that anyone who can kick four field goals against Ohio State can smoke whatever he wants. <laughs> Whatever he wants. That's the key Whatever phrase there. Well, I, I don't think he was thinking about what you're thinking about, but you're on a cigar. or Early mid-70s, or or man. You never know. Early mid-70s. Duffy may have been ahead of his time. He was getting, out of, he was getting out of town, you know, but at the same time, like Devaney, you know, in Nebraska. But uh, bottom line is, yeah, I mean, it's how, how would you explain it? Because, you know, talking to, uh, talking to Arch about it, you know, this is the beauty of college football yeah. is – you never know who's going to come out of the cracks, out of the woodwork, right, right. and beat you, or who, what team is going to come out of the the woodwork and beat you. And and for people to think, I mean, look around; it's almost like that's part and parcel to the game anymore. This this year, I mean, look at yeah. Texas. You know, uh-huh. I mean, they just yeah. got beat by Kansas. Kansas yeah. first win. I mean, it's crazy what happens, isn't it, Jack? And in, in, in the great I, game I of college Texas. football. Tim, Texas might be the only program in the country as arrogant as Michigan. Yeah. So there yeah. are a lot of people here don't like Texas. Yeah. But it, it wasn't just uh, Duffy and Woody or Denny and Woody or or D'Antonio and Urban. Yeah. A lot of people think back to that 98 game. Yeah. And uh, Coop had a really good team. Yes. And uh, Saban rolled in there and uh, Ohio State led that game. 24 to nine and Michigan state was punting. Yes. And then Michigan state got a fluky bounce off of a blocker on a punt and scored the next five times it had the ball. Yeah. As I, as I like to say, Burke kept throwing the, kept throwing passes at Plexico Burris and stuff till they finally stuck, you know, I don't know. They finally yeah. figured out Plexico Burris had about eight inches on Antoine Winfield. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. uh, Hey, go there. Yes. You're, that's what I'm talking about, Jack. Is that's the other point? They're not over till they're over. I mean, these games. I mean, you know, it's, these are two heavyweights. They're going to keep swinging on Saturday again, right? They they definitely are. And you think about that game afterwards. Uh, Larry Lage and I were laughing that we saw Cedric Irvin down there digging up all the turf and sticking it in his pants. And I said to him, "What are you doing?" 
He said, eh, people don't win very often here. I'm going to take some of this field with me. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Remember back when football, well, y'all still have grass uh, up at uh, Michigan State, yeah. don't they? Yeah. 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 I was back in the good old days where everybody uh, sort of tried to have grass. Let's put it that way. It just didn't yeah. take, man. After they, you know, especially after they sank Ohio Stadium and then raised the uh, sides, uh, just not enough sunlight it was getting in the door, so to speak. But uh, yeah. hey, real quick, uh, let's just jump right into it this year, though. Number one, yeah, Mel Tucker. He's one of my favorite people of all time. I've told you that on your show yeah. many times. Uh, I love yeah. being a guest on your show because I feel like I can freewheel it a little bit. But uh, yeah. still don't curse, which is good for me and you. But uh, <laughs> but Mel's one of those guys, man, uh, you better take him serious because he is quite the serious guy. I find oh, yeah. him very amiable, yeah. but he is so intent on, yeah. on achieving, on success, uh, you know, the places he's been, you know, the guys he's worked with, with Nick Saban a couple of times and, uh, yeah. and then having the audacity to leave with Kirby Smart, you know, leave Alabama to go to Georgia with Kirby Smart, which really didn't sit well with Nick Saban, you know, uh, right. right on down the right. line and taking that Colorado job. And then, then having the, the wherewithal to, after one year at Colorado going, Hey, you know, there's a big time program in the, in the big 10 that I, I've been to, I know about that you can win. I know you can win there, and boom, he ups and leaves and goes to Michigan State. Uh, just give people an idea of what your take is on Mel Tucker. Well, I think anyone who has been hired three times by Nick Saban uh, has a lot to recommend him, but also yeah, working for the senator in Columbus. Yeah. And, uh, you know, what he did in uh, Georgia. But I don't think Mel Tucker would have gotten the Michigan State job if it hadn't been for Nick Saban. You know, they had the audacity to call him and say, you know, uh, you know, you don't want to come back, but who would you recommend? It didn't take him long yeah. to say, well, you got the guy. You just got to get him away from Boulder. Yeah. And at first he didn't want to go because the timing, D'Antonio left them February 12th. And, you know, you can't look at your recruits and straight face. And they just raised a lot of money for a building there. And Michigan State wouldn't take no for an answer. Came back and doubled his salary and said, uh, you want to really be here where people don't want football or do you want to come to the state of Michigan where uh, you can try to be king? Yeah. So. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and, not as uh, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Uh, that's a story, and so far, so good. Hey, wait, wait, wait. No you left out a big part. You left out a big part three weeks later, COVID. And, you know, now you yeah. can't practice. Yeah. You can't even be with your – can't even be with your new players – you know, recruiting is is cut, whatever, you know, and no, you're exactly right. But I want to tell you something, man. You, you, we've talked about this on your show. I mean, cutting yeah. edge, 
Yeah. He and his staff are cutting edge on this new wave of college football, oh, yeah. which is transfer yeah. portal, yeah. getting players in there, flipping your roster. Nobody flipped their roster more than Michigan State did yeah. over the over the last uh, twelve months. I think you agree with that. And it's oh yeah, it's been needed flipping. Yeah, but I mean, think about this, Jack. Kenneth Walker the third yeah. to be on that Wake Forest team, which was looking pretty good a couple a month or so yeah. ago, and still looks pretty yeah. decent. I mean, they let. I don't know if they let him go. He wanted to go, but wow, you know, you just think about the college football is so changed now from what it was five years ago. It's crazy, isn't it? Yeah. And Wake Forest didn't see what he was. They had a different theory and he wasn't their kind of running back, which was just fine with Michigan State. And you know a lot about Heisman Trophy winners, but no one in history has ever scored five touchdowns against Michigan until he did. And yeah. he leads the nation in yards after contact. He's not getting it because of a great offensive line. It's really a, a, a one player effort. And Michigan state instead of being nine and one, they'd probably be five and five if he wasn't there. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. But, but those are the, those are vital pieces. When yeah. you're building a team, you've yeah. got to have the difference makers. Yeah. That guy kid, he's not a kid. He's a man. Yeah. That man's a difference maker. And, uh, Mel Tucker saw that and jumped at it. You know, I I know, he, you know, just being around him, I understand what, what it's all about, you know. And uh, and then you got a quarterback, I'm, you know, I'm not sure uh, Thorne is a, is a big-time player, but I think he's yeah. a really good, serviceable, good quarterback. Yeah. And then you've got three receivers sitting out there who have actually all three played well, just like Ohio State's got three good receivers. Yeah. I would still take Ohio State's three over those three. Sure, sure. Uh, but, uh, I'd take I mean, Ohio State's three over uh, some NFL teams. Yeah, well, what Jaden Reed, uh, Jalen uh, Naylor, and uh, Trey Mosley, those yeah. are pretty good players with big time stats as we as we sit here and speak. Uh, you know, a yeah. few days before Ohio State plays uh, Michigan State, but uh, I think like Michigan it, State will score on any team it plays. Yeah, and it wouldn't surprise me if it got up to twenty eight or thirty one or thirty five. The problem is, you play Ohio State, and this Michigan State pass defense is ranked one hundred thirtieth in the yeah. nation. Out of 130, it's a long way from being 129. Wait a minute, you just cut, you just whatever. We were sitting there having a little feel good moment, a little south for Michigan State fans, and you just cut straight to the bone, didn't you? I did. You're you're but, exactly right. This is a team that just got beat by uh, by Purdue, which yeah. threw the ball over a lot against Ohio State, but only scored 31. But go ahead with your diatribe there; it's excellent. Yeah, well, they made uh, Aiden O'Connell uh, look like Drew Brees. Yeah. So. Uh, I would think that Ohio State is going to score well into the 40s, and and I don't know if Michigan State can get up that high. Yeah. It was stunning, though, the the stat in that game, uh, uh, Purdue and and Michigan State. I think think Aiden O'Connell threw for 530-something yards or something. 536. But 240 or something of the yards of that passing yardage was yards after completion, yards after contact, whatever you want to call it. That's a stunning – that's half of his passing yards. I mean, yeah. that's stunning when you think about it, isn't it, Jack? They didn't throw deep. They just threw, you know, the same kind of thing. Hey, good luck trying to stop Garrett Wilson. And and I know that Ohio State's got a great back. I've seen enough of Travion Henderson to know that. Yeah. There's not much difference between uh, Kenneth Walker the third, even if he wins a Heisman, and and Henderson, who, who might win a Heisman someday. So, uh, you know, hey, C.J. Stroud could win the Heisman. There are a lot yeah. of guys who could do that. But uh, Ohio State has so many offensive weapons. I don't know how you slow them down. Yeah, and what what a showcase game. You just brought it up. I mean, 
I mean, you've got two legit Heisman Trophy candidates if you look at all of the uh, or most of the experts and uh, you look at the odds coming out of Vegas and wherever else they come out of. You know, C.J. Stroud and Kenneth Walker III are right there in the conversation yeah. big time. Uh, it does promise to be quite the showcase, doesn't it? It does. You know, I think the biggest difference between these teams, Tim, even more than Michigan State's inability to stop a completed pass, <laughs> expectations. Yeah. And Ohio State always, always plays with high expectations. Michigan State, before the season, USA Today ranked the five worst Power Five programs. Michigan State was one of them. Uh, coming off a two-win season, the Vegas over-under was four and a half. And no school has ever beaten its four-and-a-half win projection earlier than Michigan State did. So now it's got nine. And if it could somehow get to double digits, uh, maybe that isn't this week. Maybe that's when Penn State comes to East Lansing. Yeah. And if it could somehow get to ten wins, Yeah, that's pretty wow. incredible stuff for a second-year coach. You know why that is, though, Jack? You and I have talked about this on your show once. I don't know if you remember, but uh, I'm going to use another analogy. That's because a lot of people, when they peruse college football programs, et cetera, like you said, preseason, yeah. they're, they're like driving a car, but the car's got all rearview mirrors on it. You know, they don't That's see right. what's That's coming. Right. Or they don't see what even road they're on sometimes. And like, like I was talking with Mel about this at the Big Ten, uh, at the yeah. Big Ten media days. I mean, he like we just spoke of, he transformed his roster. That yeah. doesn't mean all the pieces are going to fall together. But here's the yeah. thing. He felt really good. You could tell he was legitimately had these legitimate feelings about this team back in all, or in July about how well he thought the pieces had come together in the locker room. Yeah. Uh, I'm talking about the individuals meshing with one another. Forget about playing the game of football. And right. uh, but but here's here's where people discount him. He's been in locker rooms where yeah. where pieces have come together. He knows what that dynamic is all about. Right. You know, and uh, and like I told you, when he first got hired, I think he's going to recruit his rear end off. You know, who knew that yeah. a lot of their recruiting was initially going to be in the transfer portal. You still got to get guys, convince guys that this is the place for you, you know. And you've got to also yeah. in the same light figure out, do they really fit where you are? Even they may be really good, but they may not be a good fit. Or do they fit where right. you want to go offensively and defensively? Uh, I think he and his staff have done a remarkable job in that regard. I don't think that his program will ever recruit at the Ohio State level because there are only a few that can. But I think that he will recruit much better than Mark did, uh, just the way the staff is constituted and the emphasis that he's putting on this. Yeah, uh, He's not trying to get three stars and make them better. He's trying to get the best players he can get. Yes. And then he'll find some guys, and as you say, uh, it's, it's making guys uh, – understand what it takes to fit in. Connor Hayward was one. Yeah. And uh, you certainly know that name in Columbus. Yes. yes. And, you know, he was a guy who was ready to leave. And so Mel comes in and next thing you know, he's changed positions and he's a pretty valuable guy for this team. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's a great example. I mean, Cam Hayward's a little brother. I mean, it's like uh, he comes from great genes, man. I mean, great, great football uh, family, et cetera. But you're, you know, you're exactly right. Uh, but the thing is, a lot of times, and you know, and it, it, I think Michigan State is an example of this, even though they've only lost once. It's hard to get that that championship defense in a year, you know, put yeah. all those pieces yeah. together. Yeah. Uh, but 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 talk about the transfer portal. Who's Alabama's top threat at wide receiver? 
uh, this year. A guy named James Williams, yeah, who was on the Ohio State roster last year. He probably still would. He would probably still be in the same position on Ohio State's roster this year as he was last year. That fourth guy, you know, because these other three guys are really good. But look what he's done to, for Alabama. Look at look at Justin Fields. Two years, you know, three three years ago, he was at Georgia. Uh, meanwhile, he leaves Ohio State into the playoffs two straight years, uh, and the second one into the national championship game. I mean, right? You can look at Ohio State's kicker this year, Noah Ruggles. He hasn't missed a field goal. Yeah, kicked four in in two of the two of the last two games. Kicked four in each, and uh, so valuable over that little bit of a lull for Ohio State offensively. And you know, you just gotta you gotta make sure those guys are the right fit and uh, bring them in. I think that Mel Tucker is a great example of where that's going. I want to ask you this. Yeah. What is your sense of Saturday? Like you've 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 hinted pretty strongly about it. Uh, can Michigan State throttle Ohio State's passing game? I no. think that's the big question, right? No, I, my advice is take the over. I think Michigan State will score. Uh, could get into the 30s, and I don't think that will be enough. Uh, Michigan State has given up. Uh, tons of, of completions and yards, but Ohio State can convert those into points. Yeah. Whereas other teams have bogged down in the red zone, and only two teams have scored more than three touchdowns against Michigan State. Western Kentucky got four, and Purdue got four. Yeah. But uh, no one else has. So, you know, Michigan didn't. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we, we've seen some other teams. Miami couldn't do anything against Michigan State's defense, but. The Spartans have been opportunistic, Tim, and it would take that and maybe a monsoon for them to be in this for four quarters. Like the last time, 2015. You know, that's not what you're talking about. Take that weather again. That's right. Wow. They'll also take uh, Urban Meyer's playbook if that's laying around. Yeah, if that's laying around, get it all smudgy, you know, and stuff. You know, you're you're exactly right. Uh, I I see it. I see the same way you do. But like, you know, what was remarkable to me was when Michigan State had to come back against Michigan. Down how many points? 16? No, what were they down? Yeah, they were down 16. They outscored them 23 to 3. Yeah. In the last 20 minutes. Threw the ball a little bit, but they did not forget about their difference maker yeah. at running back. He was as yeah. huge a part of that as anybody else. That shows you patience by a head coach and, and an offensive staff to know exactly how what they are all about, you know. And uh, that's why Saturday promises to be, I think, an interesting exercise. I agree with your prognosis on the game. If Ohio State is anywhere close to what it was this past week against Purdue, which in my opinion has a better defense than Michigan State's look out. But uh, yeah. I think over under going yeah. into that game was six. Well, I was going to ask you what you thought of – I was going to ask you, uh, Tim, what you thought of Michigan. You've obviously seen them enough and scouted. Yeah. And, you know, they, Jim Harbaugh still can't believe they lost the game here, but he should be used to it. Yeah. Michigan's lost 10 of the last 14 – yeah. In the series to Michigan State. But the question is, will he ever beat the Buckeyes? Uh, I don't know. You know, it doesn't this doesn't look like it will be the year either, uh, because, <laughs> you know, the bottom line is they've, they've been able to score enough points to win games. And there's something to be said for that, Jack, as you well know, <laughs> yeah. making a play defensively when you got to make a play. Right. Uh, but, you know, uh, sometimes, you know, even Nick Saban kind of uh, acquiesced to this. You just got to line up and try to score as many points as you can. And to do that in modern college football, you've got to be able to throw it as well as run it. And you got to be willing to throw it. You know, I mean, 
uh, I keep saying not, you don't have to just be willing to throw it. You've got to throw it, you know, and I'm not sure their passing attack can go toe to toe with Ohio States, just like yeah. Purdue. That Aiden O'Connell, man, he can sling it. And, uh, but they couldn't match Ohio State. You know, they, they had a couple of gaffes that put them behind the, put them behind the yeah. eight ball there and they never could make up that difference. Uh, right. And I see this, I see a very similar thing uh, two weeks from now or a week and a half from, from now in Michigan Stadium, but the game will be in Michigan Stadium. I've warned people at the beginning of the year and uh, that people are asking me, who are the, who are the, what's the game that, you know, you think could give Ohio State some real problems? And I said, there are two of them, two road games at Nebraska where you've got a coach and a team desperate for something positive. And you saw what happened there. And then at Michigan where you've got a coach desperate to prove that, he can take this team over the hump and the hump, the humps are Michigan state and Ohio state for Michigan. And people can talk about it every kind of different way they want to, but that's true. Correct. Well, yeah. And I would think that Michigan is going to beat Maryland this week in college park, but stranger things have happened. Yeah. If that happens and uh, Michigan will have a, a regular season record of 10 0 and two, 10 wins, zero losses, and two that were stolen by the officials. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, you know, we stole a little zinger in there, Jack. That's why I like, that's why I like talking to you, Jack. Uh, everybody's had games. I'm telling you what, you can, you can have a clinic. There was a, there was, there was, you could get a clinic tape from Ohio State's Purdue game when yeah. they called, uh, when they called Jack, saw, uh, excuse me, uh, Jeremy Ruckert for holding. Yeah. On that deep pass to Chris Olave. By the way, yeah. Chris Olave's one touchdown catch away from tying David Boston for career touchdown catches in a nice. at Ohio State. That's how that's how meaningful this was. One of the greatest pass, one of the great passes you've ever seen Ohio State quarterback throw into the wind in Ohio Stadium. And basically, what he did was he pancaked that overrated Karloftis kid, just took him to the ground. And uh, uh, meanwhile, you can show these stop action videos of Ohio State's pass rush continually of guys' jerseys getting pulled and arms and no holding calls. And you're kind of going, wow, you know, what is up, right? What is up? <laughs> well, it'll be interesting when they play Michigan because uh, Jim will be working the officials just like uh, uh, any NBA coach has ever done it, uh, like uh, Red Auerbach did. So Yeah, you see what I'm doing there? Yeah, 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 yeah I like that. He was that short, you know. Well, no, he wasn't. JT Barrett, next play, man. Curtis Samuel, hey, untouched to the end they're, zone. They're still whining about that play in yeah. Ann Arbor. We call well, them the whinerines. That's what I said. You got to, when you drive that car, you got to forget about the rearview mirrors. You got to look straight ahead and yeah. deal with what's coming at you. It's probably a deer standing right in the middle of the road. You know what I mean? Yeah. But then, hey, Jack Ebling, thank you once again for joining the Tim May podcast, man. I've enjoyed it. Anything you want to get off your chest before I let you go? No, we're good. I'm going to try to get you on here in uh, Lansing. So people who want to see us again, we'll give them another shot at. You got it. Hey, Jack Ebling, thanks again for joining the Tim May podcast. We'll see you Saturday. Yeah, I always enjoy my conversations with Jack Ebling. And uh, he and I have a good time when I'm on his radio show. I'm going to be on there, I'm sure, uh, at some point th <laughs> this week, drive time with Jack. That there. Yeah. But, uh, you know, when you're talking those out of town, uh, out of town radio shows, I kind of let it all hang out a little bit more than I do maybe locally. Maybe I should let my hair down in these uh, local situations. What do you think? Wow, yeah, I, I've never known you to pull any punches with any opinion. I don't. <laughs> I was, I'd like to know what that's like. I guess I need to tune in when you're out of market. 
Well, my favorite one's the one I do every week in Cleveland. You know, those guys, uh, Andy Baskin, you remember him and some guys up there. We really have a good time. But, yeah, I mean, Jack, Jack's a realist, man. He sees what's coming. Uh, if uh, Michigan State can't stop uh, Chris Olley, um, uh, Jackson Smith and Jigba, and not to lead, definitely not the, the last but not the least, uh, Garrett Wilson, uh, could be a long day in the shoe for them. But uh, there's no doubt about it, man, when they – when they needed a comeback victory here to stay on track or to, uh, you know, kind of erase the uh, the, the idea uh, that they were just a one-punch pony, uh, they turned to their running game. Kenneth Walker III delivered a Heisman-esque performance, five touchdowns, the only player ever to score five touchdowns against Michigan. That's crazy when you think about it. But, you know, they're not going to go away from him probably no matter what unless it gets to be really outrageous on Saturday in the shoe. You got to – you got to see that too, right? I mean, this guy is special. I think that's part of the, you know, problem for Michigan State right now is that, uh, you know, I don't know what the status is with, with Naylor and, and the hand and the cast and all that. Yeah. Um, you know, we'll have to see on Saturday. But part of what made Michigan State really good early in the year was that balance that I talked about previously uh, with being able to throw to two, two pretty talented wide receivers and then complement that with a powerful rushing attack. And once you remove one part of that equation and what they do best now is, you know, relying on Kenneth Walker and that offensive line is that, you know, once they fell behind because of their pass defense against Purdue, it's really difficult for them to make it up. Now that game stayed relatively close, relatively competitive down the stretch because they're solid. But um, that's really, to me, the difference between when you're looking at Ohio State giving up some passing yardage and touchdowns to Purdue and what happened to Michigan State? Purdue's going to throw it on, on on most teams. Yeah, that's just the way it's going to work. They're they're very they've an accurate quarterback and one of the better wide receivers in the country. That's just going to happen. Um, Ohio State is in a position where they don't have to stop someone every single time because their margin for error is much wider than it will be or than it was even for Michigan State a few weeks ago. So, you know, that's I think you know the issue for them to try and trade punches with Ohio State's offense for four quarters. And that's a tall, tall order for anybody. And especially if you're not going to be able to defend the pass. And I just think, you know, defensively, it'll look a lot more like what Nebraska and Penn State, those games where if you're trying, if you're trying to run on Ohio State and Ohio State knows that you're trying to run, you don't generally have a lot of success that way. So um, I'll be curious to see how that plays out by the end of the week. But um, this to me, not to jump too far ahead, Sam, it just it it sets up pretty well for Ohio State to win this one, in my opinion. Yeah, I agree. And uh, but boy, don't overlook Michigan State. You know, oh no, no, yeah, no, I'm not saying you. I mean, you know, history tells you don't do that. You know, they can come in with a third string quarterback like they did in 2015 and pull one of the great upsets. I mean, there there's no reason for that team to beat that 2015 Ohio State team uh, nine times out of ten, but they beat them one time out of ten. And that's what mattered on that day, as you well know. In my opinion, I don't know if you agree, that was a better Ohio State team than the year before, just in my opinion, because a lot of the younger guys had matured and just one, one after, really one second half, just slip up, just just like uh, in, in 1998. There's no way that Michigan State team beats Ohio State, you know, 10 times out of 10 uh, with Nick Saban. Guiding, you know, they're down 20, what, 20 to 9 or 21 to 9 and come back and win that game. Uh, but it but it happened. And it's funny how Michigan State's the team that kind of does that more than anybody with Ohio State, isn't it? That's why, you know, those years that you mentioned, Flo, 
and roll off the tongue so easily for Ohio State fans. Yeah. But they're really painful. They know what those teams were capable of and what was taken away from them. You mentioned the third one, you know, back there for Arnie Griffin. And, 74. And those games, yeah, those games are never never forgotten for good reason. Um, you know, they, they were hard to believe. And it's, it's that exercise that no Ohio State fan ever wants to go through. What's the most painful one? Like, the uh, Iowa and Purdue games from, from 17 and 18, the Band-Aid was ripped off. Like, uh, it, it happened and it was inexplicable, but the pain was just so drawn out and methodical and slow moving for 2015. Like, you know, I remember waiting for that, you know, that game's closing down in the fourth quarter and it's like, wait a minute, is this really going to happen? Like, yeah. how could, how could this happen? Uh, and then you're just thinking back all the things that went wrong along the way. And it's like, well, I guess it makes sense, but I don't, I don't believe it. I mean, yeah, I know Zeke was in the hospital for a couple of days, but 13 carries. I, yeah, it's just like those things you don't forget. Cause it's like, I don't know, uh, stressful, you know, to cover yeah. painful for fans to watch. Like it's, um, they, I understand why there's never a time when Michigan state is on the schedule, even when they're down and a three win team, like they will play Ohio state so hard every single time because they've got that to draw on. Hey, we know we can do it. Yeah. This team yeah. is actually talented enough where you would look at it and say, they will have Ohio state's attention either way, but especially because they know, what's at stake and what Michigan state has done in the past against them. Absolutely. You know, I just remember, you know, it was the, the post-game press conference with Zeke, with Zeke Elliott and we're all around him and he's pulling no punches. He's not backing down from what he's saying about it. He couldn't, he didn't understand, you know, basically I'm paraphrasing, he didn't understand the game plan there, you know, because Ohio state on a day when the day turned ugly just before the game started. And then he only has 12, 13 carries. It made no sense to anybody, you know, <laughs> except, the play callers, and as you remember, uh, the next week, Aid Warner suddenly was shoved up to the press box to call the plays against Michigan. Yep. And they got their act together and had a great victory at Michigan, but it was too little too late at that point, you know. Uh, uh, but uh, but you, that's, that's the thing about the, – that's the thing about this season in college football. Take nothing for granted. Texas gets beat by Kansas. What, second <laughs> or third string quarterback? You know, the guy that catches the uh, – the, the two-point conversion was a walk-on who had just blown a blown a punt uh, blocking uh, or punt protection scheme earlier, which got to help Texas get back into the game. I mean, yes, yeah, bad as Texas is, is it really that bad? No, sometimes everything sp- conspires against you. But you know what? Also, when you give up 50-something points, you probably deserve to get beat, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, I know that – People aren't tuning in to hear us break down Texas, but I think it's that's an example. Yeah, it's a reminder that I, something that we say all the time that it's hard to win college football games, and that um, nothing can ever be taken for granted in this game. It's it's volatile because of the you know youth of, of the guys that we're talking about playing, and everybody you know has motivation to beat these big powerhouse programs. Now Texas is certainly tried its best to sacrifice its standing among the blue blood programs over the last few years. And it is incredibly hard to comprehend that they spent $24 million or whatever it was to replace Tom Herman with a knockoff version of Tom Herman, uh, who had already failed as a head coach elsewhere, but that's, that's not my business. They can settle that out uh, with those famous UT regents down there. But um, you have to play, you have to show up every single week in this game. And Ohio state got a reminder of that against a much better team way back in week two, um, that 
and Ryan Day said this, you don't get to roll the helmet out with those Buckeye Leafs on it and, and you're automatically going to beat every team you play. It doesn't work that way in college football. So those reminders, they'll come up. I guarantee you that they'll talk, even though they're playing Michigan State and their focus will be on some of those other games, like somebody will bring it up in the locker room that Kansas beat Texas. Like they, yeah. that will come up. Well, it should. I mean, you know, as – you know, Texas has gone from a blue blood to a bloodletting. I mean, you know, it's just really – it's really been hard to watch this year. And, uh, you know, but, you know, if you grew up in Texas like I did, it's kind of fun, too. <laughs> yeah, because, I'm, sure, I'm sure you don't mind at all. Hey, your mom, your beloved mom and dad live right down there just south of Austin, you know, in green. Well, actually, you know, in that little – I call it one of the great belts in America there of just, wow, great living. And, uh, like I said, you either – when you live in Texas, you either love Texas, which meant you probably went there, or you hated Texas, which was everybody else. And uh, and that's kind of I'm sure there's a lot of people in and the SEC. I don't I'm not sure who they're has dropping, they're dropping the mist down yeah. there in that house in green. That's yeah. <laughs> I did that in Texas A&M Stadium a couple of years ago. When I was down there for the Alabama game. Uh, uh, one of those one of those times when I thought retirement was really going to be fun. You know. <laughs> hey. Uh, Let's get back to this game, though, real quick in this regard. You know, where this Ohio State defense has made such strides, but yet, like you just brought up a while ago, it's going to be tested, I think, probably the most since that since that first game of the year. Well, second game of the year because Oregon yeah. just got their number running the ball. Have they really fixed for sure what was wrong with their running – uh, running defense, the rushing defense, whatever you want to call it, stopping the run. Uh, you know, I think you agree with me. Steel Chambers has brought a breath of uh, 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 fresh breath into the Ohio State defense in terms of playmaking, in terms of being a form tackler, in terms of like you're, you're not going any farther than this. You know, no GOP, and as uh, Steve Tovar was called it, jumping on pile. We said GOP, but anyway, uh, it's uh. It looks like it's made strides. Do you, do you, do you, is this the acid test, though, on yeah. Saturday against the Heisman Trophy uh, candidate? Yeah, 100%. And uh, I, I think that there were – there was so much attention on the second half and, you know, the throw over Bryson Shaw's head and, and give credit to him for owning up to that. And he certainly didn't have to yeah. uh, in public setting, um, you know, for talking about those issues and not making any excuses that – you know, things I already brought up about dropping in, like he let it go, a ball go over his head and he owned up to that, knows that can't happen. But if you take, take some of the second half away from that, uh, you know, Marcus Williamson will have to tackle better and Bryson Shaw can't give up those plays. I will say those negatives just so people don't think I'm blindly defending everything that happens. For oh no, there's stuff to fix. Yeah. Yeah. I a hundred percent there is. And I, I, I recognize that as clearly as anybody, but the first half, I was noticing Steel Chambers and Cody Simon, no rotation for most of those early. When the game is in doubt for meaningful snaps, they rolled with their two best linebackers. And guess what? They got stops. Uh, yes, the turnover came on a, an unforced error, you can really say, from Purdue, but you still had to bounce on that and take advantage of it the way Jerron Cage did. Yep. But it was, it was notable to me that they had pared down that rotation at linebacker and were playing the two that, to this point, have been the most productive. Uh, that's an encouraging sign. When Denzel Burke and Cameron Brown are on the field at cornerback, that that pass defense can be really special uh, with one-on-one coverage. Those guys are elite. Uh, I I wonder if that will continue to be 
an emphasis moving forward for them. I know Kerry Combs and Matt Barnes like to rotate, and Seven Banks has done good things throughout his career. But those two are operating on a different level, and you see that when they're out there both playing really well. Uh, you know, they're still not going to get any holding calls, apparently, so that's three weeks in a row without that. But um, the pass rush, uh, you know, Tyreek Smith nearly made that – they had a bad alignment over there. I don't know any other way to say it. They were unprepared for that, you know, bunch bunch formation with four guys over there. Tyreek Smith almost erased that by himself by yes. getting the quarterback just a near miss. Um when they are sending four or when they're sending some of the blitz packages that they had been in the previous couple of weeks, you know, a lot of these things are going to look different. So I just, I, Purdue was such a unique setup. Um, yeah. I, I, I focused on that early part of the game and I thought Ohio state was, was good at that point. Yeah. And, you know, and I think Ohio state just jumping forward. I think Ohio state understands the challenges of the next two weeks because both of these teams, you know, Maybe more so Michigan than Michigan State, but they're both they're both in contention not only to get to Indianapolis, but to get to the college football playoff. You know, I mean, if either of them can win out, you know, I'm talking about win through the Big Ten championship game, they're going to be in serious consideration now that Oklahoma uh, self uh, self uh, what's the word I'm looking for self eliminated itself. <laughs> uh, actually, Baylor had a lot to do with that. Uh, you and I. I don't think either one of us were surprised by Baylor beating Oklahoma. Were you? No. Yeah. Oklahoma's exactly. been playing with fire for two months. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and, you know, uh, but the, these are these just like uh, last week, Purdue was fighting to stay in contention for that Big Ten West division title, even though it's definitely, you know, Wisconsin's to win now. I think you agree with that, right? Yeah. And uh, Boy, so, I, yeah. I was very wrong about that. Yeah. I mean, I was about five weeks ago and, uh, Wisconsin's found itself and defensively, but you know, we'll get to that game. We'll analyze that game when it's coming, but you and I, I'm sure have very similar thoughts on that situation. I digress. I only said that twice so far, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I don't <laughs> want to give berm ammunition, but uh, bottom line is uh, <laughs> these are big games. College football playoff committee has got to be looking at the same thing we're looking at. And I don't mean to jump in too far, but I was asked about this on the, Radio show I was on today with Bo Bishop. You know, you theoretically could see Ohio State ended up number two in the college football playoff rankings if it wins out. Uh, I think you agree with that, don't you? Yeah, and I, I think maybe it won't happen this week. I think it's inevitable that the, the committee is going to move Ohio State ahead of Oregon uh, as, the, as the resume improves. And, you know, Purdue was a team that was ranked by that committee last week. I think that they will – this could be the time they will. I don't know. It's impossible to predict these people, as I say every week when that comes to that stuff. But um, Wait, let me interrupt you. I think their rankings are more legit than the AP and the coaches, though. I don't know if you agree or not, but that's well, what I, I think, think. I think they put way more thought and effort into it. I mean, they had Oklahoma pegged correctly, you know, yeah. for example. Yeah, I mean, I, I poke fun at them a lot of times because they have a thankless, difficult job, and they do a pretty poor job most times explaining it. This, this committee so far for the first couple of weeks, I think, has done a reasonable job. The Michigan-Michigan State situation a week ago was a little bit dicey. Um, but yeah. anything beyond the top four doesn't really make any difference anyway. Um, so you can almost set that aside and brush it aside. They view Ohio State as one of the best four teams, and they are one of the best four teams. Uh, I don't think that there's any real debate about that, to be completely honest. But um, if they win the next three games, they will be number two. I don't. 
I don't think there's any question about that. All right. Now I want you to be honest with the, with the uh, viewers and listeners. I try to be just like, what? I try to be nothing but honest. I know. I know. But I you know, uh, I've been covering football for a long, longer than you've been born. I've been, well, maybe as long as you've been born, I've been covering it. And then for like 60 plus years, I've been watching it. And let's say Ohio state was Kansas state and they were playing offense. Like they're playing offense. I just, Love watching. I love watching Ohio State this year offensively. Even in the previous two games, you know, we made a big deal about them kicking four field goals in each game, Noah Ruggles. Uh, they were in the red zone. They had the possibility of, of blowing those games up to be bigger. Like I always said, there was a better chance of them winning 50 to whatever against Penn State than there was what the final score was. Same against Nebraska because they were down there. They were knocking on the door, you know. But it it is fun to watch an offense of this caliber, right? And a, and a quarterback who every week is learning. You can see him learning a little bit more, getting much, much more comfortable. Uh, as I said, driving his sports car. It, it is fun to watch that, isn't it? No matter whether you're a sports writer or, or a fan out there. Yeah. I mean, we're watching some stuff happen that has never happened. Yeah. I mean, every week, Garrett, Garrett Wilson gets three receiving touchdowns and a rushing touchdown. A week after Jackson Smith and Jigba has – 15 catches for 240 yards. There's a freshman quarterback in his first year starting in the Big Ten who has 3,000 yards and 30 touchdowns in nine games. You have, you know, Travion Henderson with whatever he's got now, 16 touchdowns in his as a true freshman. Uh, the things that they're doing, he had a returning, you know, projected first-round draft pick at left tackle moved to left guard. And, uh, I mean, I, I could just – everything yeah. that's happening with this offense is like – storybook stuff and I think you'd have to be a really imaginative fiction writer to even come up with a, you know what would they believe that there's going to be three 1,000 yard receivers and a 1,000 yard rusher on the same team is that too much uh, are we pushing the envelope I mean it you got to have appreciation for what's yeah. happening here and I just uh, I hope that everyone does see one of those one of those books you'll maybe find uh, on the uh you know, the, on a uh, on a Costco uh, bargain bin or something yeah. or Sam's Club or wherever you buy your books. You know, uh, it's like a story slash record book. Just think about it. Chris Olave is one touchdown catch away from equaling David Boston's career record of 34. You yeah. know, one. And and you know how much I was pushing for that this past. I was, I was almost begging for it. Wasn't it? To see that, you know, you had the holy Buckeye. Uh, to Michael Jenkins from uh, Craig Krenzel back in 2002, which people talk about still today. Well, that pass into the wind by C.J. Stroud, I think that was his favorite pass of the day, the way he talked about it, the holy moly Buckeye. And to see it called back for a bogus, really, holding call. Like I said, Orlando Pace was somewhere out of his seat going, you got to be kidding me, that was a pancake block, you know? Uh, But – well, that's what we're seeing. We're seeing, like you said, a, a record fall almost every week in some form or fashion. Archie Griffin losing his single-game uh, freshman rushing record to Travion Henderson. And the thing about Travion is, yeah, he, he has some tough going again uh, on occasion on Saturday, but he is a threat to take it to the house every time he touches it and there is daylight. And, wow, that was that's just that one run would be price of it, worth the price of admission for some folks. I know it was for Archie. <laughs> Yeah, it was incredible and um, really looking forward to another, you know, big game and high stakes opportunity where, you know, Ohio State will be wanting to bring their best and, yeah. you know, it's senior day festivities and 
college game day, Saturday noon. I mean, it, you know, it's, we, we filmed this early in the week. I mean, I'm already excited for it to be Saturday. I mean, it, yeah. it's, this is the best time of year. Yeah. Sit back and enjoy it. As I keep telling people, you know, yeah, there are all these things that can be better. You know, Cirque du Soleil is not always perfect, but man, oh man, you're going to see something you never saw before right. if you show up there for the first time. And uh, that's kind of what this team is all about. Their offense is like Cirque du Soleil. It just, just when you think you figured out everything they can do, Garrett Wilson, you know, takes an inside handoff and uh, goes goes around left end, and they had just flip-flopped the two tight ends from the right side to the left side. They left uh, you know, a first-round draft pick, uh, Karloftis, unblocked on that play, which is what you do with a defensive end, I understand. But he looked like, you know, that was as close as he came to making a play the other day, which was crazy when you think about it. You know, how many times have you seen an Ohio State team do that? Garrett Wilson. Uh, what a show. Who's going to step up this next time? It was Jackson Smith and Jigba the week before that, you know, right on down the line. You never know who the star is going to be. But, hey, Austin Ward, uh, formerly known as Awesome Ward, and who will known, be known as Awesome occasionally just by mistakes that I make at as, as 67 years old. Thanks for joining the Tim A Podcast again, my man. Always my pleasure. Hey, and until next week, ladies and gentlemen, we'll see you then. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW group. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.